Hi, we should be live, Sean. How are you today, buddy? Not too bad, man. Not too bad. Back to gray and miserable weather, my favorite. That's right. You're going out, getting the chase lounges out and sitting out by the pool, that kind of thing. Oh, dude, I like it. <laughs> Officially melting temperature for me for far too long. I mean, I even, I know all you Americans kind of are into your AC. I, I even had to go and buy an AC and install it. That's how, yeah. you, know, you know, how completely un, unhappy I am with any of this kind of stuff. Yeah, and we definitely need it this summer. I mean, it's like roasting up and I'm in the middle of the East Coast right now. And it's, uh, it's not too bad. It's a little cooler than usual, but between the Canadian fire smoke and you know, the heat in the South, it's just, uh, you know, pretty insane right now. Um, but you know, so I always envy that kind of weather, but as you know, we don't have Brad today. He's off. Being well, that's we can have an adult conversation. Thank God. There we go. Yeah. We got rid of that ETH maxi. <laughs> shit coiner. I know he's, he's that shit coiner. Yeah. I know he's listening to I know he's listening. I know he is. <laughs> so, Hey man, we hope you're having fun with your son. And hope you're uh, getting a lot out of the college tours. So um, yeah, we'll hold absolutely. on to Fort. We won't roast you too hard, Brad. Um, and we'll try to oh. live up to your standards. <laughs> <laughs> so, is, this so not, is this not the one chance where we now go? We yeah, <laughs> we could go after him pretty good here, couldn't we? Um, uh, but everybody love everybody knows Brad. Everybody loves Brad. So um, his 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 quirks are his strengths. And, uh, you know, he's a good guy, and I hope he's not listening when he, when I say that. <laughs> but so, Sean, since it's you and me talking, I figured, you know, we would. I wanted to kind of just dwell a little more into the, not. I call it your origination story, like just at the very beginning of BTC when you know you jumped into mining. Just kind of want to understand better what kind of caught your attention back there, and and what really caused you to focus to where you've you know obviously generated a tremendous amount of success um you know since um could you share a little bit of that for our listeners um on, on that origination piece for me please yeah i i mean it was very fortuitous and part-time it, it was actually my son who um who had um who kind of brought it to my attention and i like the, the full story is it shows you how fortunate it was I, I was in the middle of renovating what in this country we call a man cave um which, which was kind of a building at the end of the garden and trying to set it up as an office and so i had a couple of pcs in there and you know but it wasn't completely finished and um uh, my son louis came to me and he said oh you'd like this thing called bitcoin and i had a look at it and i'll be honest i thought it was utter nonsense okay it's like clearly <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, this is like 2010 um and um but i kind of like the politics so um what we used to call hashing back then it wasn't even called mining and the, the actual kind of truth of it was that a spare pc a dell omniplex i remember it well and i kind of went well i'll donate some computer time to this clearly mad project and so the you know i wasn't doing it to collect coins i didn't believe in it um, but I liked, you know, I would have been pretty politically aligned with, with, the, with the little bit I understood. And so to me, it was like, yeah, I'll just donate some computer time and, you know, to these mad people. And that, like, literally that was it. Yeah. But like, you used to get so many coins back then. I, I know it's got, and ju just in case anybody, anybody's kind of wondering, I deleted every single, well, I deleted the keys to all the coins I mined in 2010. Um, 
because I found a more interesting project to donate my computer time to, um, which was uh, SETI, which was a, a US uh, government um, um, kind of project for scanning through microwave data of the universe and blah, blah, blah. So, but it was my first exposure. And, and so I guess I was very lucky. I don't have any of the coins. I've no regrets. I would imagine you're talking, you know, to, to, to kind of bring up, like you're, you're talking tens of thousands of coins, um, which is what you would have been, you know, you would have been mining back then. Cause you were just constantly, yeah. you were just constantly getting them, but I kind of, uh, kept an eye on it. And then we opened up our first kind of, um, we went out and, you know, we missed the whole GPU. So for those who don't know, you know, the phases of Bitcoin hashing or mining were, you know, you started off with a PC, then there was this big thing about where people were using GPUs to mine. And then finally you got to this phase of um, specialist hardware, what we call ASICs um, machines, which is how all the mining is done now which is these are just machines that all they can do is mine Bitcoin. That's it. Yeah, they can't, you know, and a couple of shit coins, but, you know, they can, they're specialized hardware um, that uh, specialized chips for the 256 um, hash. And they were just very efficient. And so we bought a bunch of these. And then I got kind of very much into the space because I kind of went, actually, the fact that, you know, it's, it's bizarre the way your mind works. The fact that somebody is prepared to develop this kind of and manufacture this custom hardware um, gives gave it some credence in my mind. And mm -hmm. then I, I, we, we mined. We were always mining. We had, oh, a miner was the S fives, S sevens, S nines. S. Did we have S threes? I can't even remember. Um, and so we were constantly just mining it, and, and it was part-time. I mean, it wasn't, you know, what, what I was doing for a living. And, and, and that was probably lucky because I missed, you know, Mount Gox. I mean, I was aware of it, but, like, I wasn't trading. I was just, you know, we were just converting electricity into Bitcoin for, you know, eight years. Um, wow. And, um, and, you know, we recently got back into a bit of mining as well. Uh, we stopped, you know, we had a pretty big uh, mine here, um, which we shut down in 2018, but kind of recently got back into the game because I think it's a decent time to accumulate mining capacity. And that, that's yeah. kind of it. And then in, in 2017 is when I kind of, I kind of looked at this and went, maybe, uh, maybe, just maybe, um, I should try and figure out how all of this stuff about line go up, line go down that seems to be having a significant impact on my on my net worth. <laughs> and um, and so that was, yeah, that was my curiosity was simply then looking at, at the markets and going, you know, what really makes the price of this thing tick? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, what's what's cool for me is like, you know, I was kind of on the sidelines for a lot of that in, um, you know, until like 2017. And, you know, I just kept hearing like I'd kept getting media and I don't even know if I was heavy duty on even telegram at that point, but I would see like little things talking about, you know, in the earlier that year, I think that was when I first bought my first pieces of it. Um, you know, I'd watch it run up and then I was watching it run up in the fall and I was kind of like, I really need to pay attention to this now. But, you know, I was always in just, you know, retail buyer um, and holder or trader or whatever. 
Um, and I kind of missed all that. And, and, and one of the things I always find interesting is like, when did all of the concentration kind of start in Beijing, you know, before it ended, you know, when the two big mining consortiums were there, was that like 2016, 17, or was that more like 18, 19? Yeah, no, that, that, that was probably a lot earlier than people think because Ant Miner, who were the simply the largest manufacturer. So to put it in perspective back then, if I wanted to build a mine, I have to go off and order a bunch of these things from a Chinese company called Ant Miner. Um, and they used to be manufactured in batches. So you'd be getting the batch, you know, it wasn't like a continuous production thing. You got, I'll get, you know, batch five of this year. And I've got, you know, you know, 300 miners coming from that. And then you've all the logistics of actually importing that into, into Ireland and paying duties and so on. So what, like we were always getting a worse deal in terms of, you know, versus what was happening in China. And the other thing about what made China, you know, the concentration, well, I think there's a couple of things, but one of the things that was simply the cost of cheap hydro. So, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, you know, these guys were buying electricity, you know, at cents in the dollar of what we, what we could buy. And I think there's also a big factor of capital capital flight, um, as in avoiding capital controls, because they had the advantage of buying, being able to buy this all in the Romimbi or one, whatever you want, whatever you want to call it. Mm. Okay, and they're mining value up into the cloud, so they're spending their local currency and they're generating something easily tradable for dollars. So there was a lot of things that made sense for a long time in China if mm -hmm. you wanted to, you know, both the cost of the equipment, the, um, you know, the, the, the availability of the equipment, the cost of electricity, uh, and also it's just a brilliant way to get your money past capital controls because you buy all of this stuff, you buy your electricity, uh, um, you know, and a lot of these guys were buying power plants. They were buying hydro power plants in the middle of nowhere. Um, and great, you know, and they're paying local currency for all of this. So yeah. All and they've got a dollar tradable asset and and i think that that had a lot to do with um with um with what um with what um concentrated mining power in china for a long time yeah that makes a lot of sense because i can remember when i was doing a lot of work over there in like 06 through 10 you know there were the standard model was for you know them you know to start moving money out um, and there was a bit of a capital flight problem back then, too. And so they started really choking it off. And I think they had to go to one of the national groups, maybe NRDC or somebody for any approvals. Um, and so I said, when, when I started looking at this and all the miners were there, I was like, of course, you know, because the model is, you know, move at certain age, you move half your money out, buy the house in Florida, put your kid in the private school and put mom and, you know, grandma and everybody there. Um, and then come back and stay. And if anything went bad, you know, you would, I guess, split, but not with all those assets, but you'd already moved half. So once I started looking at Bitcoin, I was, or crypto, I started thinking, man, this is, man, it's just a piece of paper or it's just, uh, you know, uh, a microdot picture that you've sent to somebody else with another message that you retrieve on the other side. I mean, it's going to make that whole capital flight issue, you know, unstoppable for China, you know, and then the crackdown. So then we saw everybody, you know, then all the mining rigs were heading to the U.S. and, you know, a lot of public companies, et cetera, doing that. But but still, they couldn't quite crack the nut because, you know, my read is they're, you know, 
don't quite have the cycles down, you know, as in expanding too fast when you should be, you know, contracting and don't quite know it as well as say you do. Um, do you have any comments on that? Yeah, I, I mean, I think if you look at, at the whole of um, the whole of the of the bull and current bear cycle, um, you know, what, what we saw is, is an exercise in leverage. Um, and, you know, you, 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 all leverage ultimately has to delever at some point. And so yeah. what, you, what, what you had is, you know, what's a very interesting business model, which was a lot of these U.S. public mining companies um, were set up as pure Bitcoin proxies. So what that meant is that they had to, they had kind of a fiduciary duty to balance sheet their Bitcoin. Okay, and so the only way they could they could um, pay their operating costs was literally to um, in, in, you know in, always be in, always be seeking investors. Yeah, so um, that that's a, a a dangerous game to play um, mm -hmm. because ultimately you know um, easy capital is you know is not easy anymore, and and as proxies to Bitcoin, as the Bitcoin price fell then investor confidence and got knocked. And, you know, the, the, in many ways, what you, you can see these things that they, they were literally forced to unload, at, you know, very low prices. Um, so I think this idea of Bitcoin companies as a, as a proxy, which we, you know, in, in terms of public limited companies, um, has advantages and disadvantages. The disadvantages to me, have always been that if you don't understand market cycles in an asset like this, an asset that's still so remarkably volatile, um, then you've got a big problem. Yeah, I mean, and I, and I think we've seen that play out. And I think we're seeing it play out again, personally, because, you know, despite um, Shizzy bringing up the XRP news, which I'm going to say is not what people think it is because they haven't read it. Um, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, I, I think um, I think that um, that we're seeing a similar thing because you can see the hash rate is you know is is, is heading to the moon uh, on the assumption of that price heads to the moon and and uh, when price corrects in my opinion it's going to correct way harsher than anybody thinks it's just going to be more minor blood but that's okay I mean you know the network you know the network keeps ticking um, yeah. you know what we're what we're looking at. Um, from kind of to give you kind of a, a, a viewer from our side on mining is we're going that we expect this bear market to last at least another six to 12 months. Um, and the cost of hardware is down 90%. So this is a good time to do that. But we also actually need to be able to fund operations when we're mining at a loss. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, anything that we're doing now, we're literally looking at it and going, let's assume Bitcoin, let's make the assumption Bitcoin's printing below 10K for six months. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. But in terms of funding these kind of mining operations, if we take that assumption, then it's a re it, it gives us a stress test of our investment. Mm -hmm. Do you find that when, like, say it goes into that sustained, maybe downward pressure, do People, I mean, how do people turn off mining capacity and then the rewards go up for people who stay? I mean, is there like a model there on how you analyze there, there, when to go ahead. There, there are lots of different models and, and a lot of people will turn on and off capacity 
literally they treat they treat it as a fiat factory yeah so they go look mm -hmm. we know our revenue on average a day we know our costs on average a day and when costs go above revenue then we just switch off and we switch back on you know and that can be affected by two things you know the price of electricity and and the price of bitcoin um for me i don't think that's ever a rational view because if you're playing in this game you're playing you know one of the riskiest risk assets that's out there and so simply treating it as a you know i i laughingly call them you know um sandwich factory um <laughs> doesn't reflect your reward has to reflect the risk given so when we look at mining and the way we've always looked at it we've always said look we have to fund this for a period of time let's say three to five years and, and when i say fund that's not just building the mine i mean that's all the operational costs and we then look at the market and go maybe we're going to be a year underwater but what we're really doing is locking in a production rate for bitcoin over an extended period and does that that price of 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 production make sense to us um as a good investment over a three to five year period and once you look at it in those terms i think then then you have a very um a very solid way of looking at mining um mm -hmm. it, and 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 historically you know any three to five year period in bitcoin um even if there were times when you were minting bitcoin at a loss i.e your operational costs were higher than you know the current production rate times the price of bitcoin today um it always turned out very well so for me they're like t-wops yeah i like t-wop buying yeah. i'm going I'm going, yeah, look, I'm, you know, we'll start a mine, okay, and effectively, we're buying X amount of Bitcoin every day, and while the price will fluctuate up and down and sideways and left and right, we would be confident on the long-term trajectory of, of price. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it seems like that's the key, and, um, you know, any of these is, you have to believe in long-term price appreciation. Yeah, not, otherwise, yeah. otherwise make, a, make a sandwich factory, yeah. Exactly, exactly. And so I think that, you know, when you look at all the dynamics out there, you know, in, in from our various backgrounds, I mean, you just can't, you just see so much user adoption everywhere. I mean, even as these cases start clearing the courts in the US and elsewhere, um, you know, we're seeing this kind of uh, uh, refinement now that's that's starting to come together that, that I think is pretty interesting, because a lot of this stuff that like, you know, we saw the, you know, Mashinsky got indicted today for, uh, or arrested today, actually, for the Celsius yep. stuff. Um, you know, a lot of these groups were trying to create models that could, you know, they weren't purely decentralized. They were trying to create centralized models that could somewhat fit into the U.S. regulatory system before the regulatory rules were in place. And now they're all getting, you know, hammered for it. Um, so I'm wondering if, you know, a lot of the incentives around, let's say, uh, trying to fit into that regulatory box, you know, particularly in mining and other areas, once that goes away, then, you know, it seems like we're back to, you know, kind of, um, you know, all the advantages of, of decentralization that, you know, we all kind of have fallen in love with various aspects of that um, into like the mainstream financial markets, uh, which is, you know, changes the, the game, so to speak, but it doesn't change this game. You know what I mean? It doesn't change the mining game because you still have to, you know, power of the network, basically. And so I guess my next... Go ahead. Mining, my, the, the way I always look at mining is it, it's it's kind of, you know, it's not data centers. It's it's so it's far less 
sophisticated than data centers. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, all mining projects are, are power projects. That's all they are. The, the, you know, the, the machines are not that sophisticated, um, but it's the, it's the management of the power, um, the, the, and, you know, how you're, how you're managing that. And, and it's at a scale that is, would probably shock even a lot of hardened, hardened Bitcoiners if they actually looked at, um, looked at the, the kind of massive, um, uh, capital investment and, and sites running around the world. Um, that it, it's a true kind of heavy industry almost. Yeah. It's, it's, this is a big, big thing. And, you know, it, it, it's also why I will always just be a Bitcoiner and not a shitcoiner because, you know, there's a fundamental point about how mining affects the viability of the asset in that no Bitcoin is ever produced that isn't an exchange of value for value. Yeah. So, so what, what do I mean by that when, you know, XRP, who, you know, won their case, I mean, they, they didn't exchange, they just minted tokens and sold them to the public. Yeah. Um, it was an exchange of some perceived forward-looking value for, for actual value, for actual dollars. Every Bitcoin that comes into existence, somebody had to, you know, um, expend energy for it. They had to have a certain level of technical competence um, to be able to do that. And they had to have capital investment in the equipment to do it and operational costs. So it, it really does market as completely different asset <coughs> mm -hmm. than just about everything because there's no forward view of the price. The people are mining it. Um, they're exchanging actual usable real world value today for that asset. Right. Yeah. And the, it, there is, like you said, there's no like, you know, discounted cash flow analysis off of future revenue or something like that pegging value. It still is the network itself. Um, yeah. It's it, not like cash flow driven. No, it, it, it's it's not a. I mean, everybody will mine on the basis of obviously, you know, some forward view of price. But but again, the fundamental difference is that the network offering you bitcoins, okay, um, it requires the for you to in to actually make a real investment, okay, and an actual investment of an asset that is highly valuable, um, unlike anything else in the space where it's you know that they're you know they're minting you know some tokens and the market is not really you know they're not offering they're offering the perception of value rather than you know right for, for exchange of value rather than rather than an exchange of value um and right you know, that's, why, that's why i think people you know who who get into this space deeply more and more understand that that you know <laughs> controversial unlike me the proof of stake is clearly just nonsense yeah um but but there you go i won't go down that road because brad isn't here to annoy <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> i went back to my laptop just because i wanted to get the other mic on since i'd be talking a lot today um so i hope it sounds better everyone um you know it seems to me that uh you know i think what you're saying is that when you know, if you look at, I'm not going to pick on Ripple, but just say any other one where you go and mint something. Um, but with BTC, you're actually converting an, a market priced asset energy yep. that's a hugely robust market around the world that has local, you know, variances and things like that. But you're actually, like you said, you're converting a 
real world, this sounds bad to say it that way, but another kind of trade five sort of metric to justify everything. Whereas, you know, when you can go in and um, like, if you could go in with say TUSD and mint coins on another yeah. site, you know, what are you really exchanging at that point? Um, yeah. And, 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 so, I, and I think that there's many reasons why, why, you know, Bitcoin is different than the rest of the market and why people like me um, are, to just don't view it as the same asset. Yeah, that doesn't mean the other assets don't have some value ultimately. But I'm, the point I'm saying is that the, the, you know the actual generation of a Bitcoin is is tied to the real world commodity price of energy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's an exchange of that real world commodity for Bitcoin. So, you know that, and I, and I think that's again. While you know people can spoof on about mining and the environment, they're just idiots. They don't understand how it works. Yeah. Um, although it's quite interesting to see BlackRock now shilling, you know, the the ultimate, um, you know, Larry Fink um, ESG people are beginning to spin the, um, you know, Bitcoin is actually good for the environment story, which it is. Um, yeah. But, you know, so well, everybody it, always it's, amazing. it's amazing when when you have the opportunity to mint some money um if you're a black rock how the narrative changes very fast yeah yeah well it's you know and then you, you always hear something like oh power consumption exceeded the entirety of finland and yeah. you know it's a standalone statement like that versus well what was the power usage for the entire bank well, let's not even go there with banking and trade five but just say the entire gold industry my favorite statistic on Bitcoin energy usage is that the entirety of, of annual use of Bitcoin um, mining um, energy, Bitcoin mining of energy is less than the amount of energy used to like Christmas tree lights in a year. <laughs> Yeah. You know, that's, yeah. a, that's a good one. That's a good one, man. Hey, yeah. so what I was speaking of that, the BlackRock stuff, you know, they get in trouble because of, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm just going to use the word. I don't, you know, the woke stuff. Um, different people perceive it different ways. I, you know, I, I'm like, I think you got to play the long game and start moving in the right directions. But what I started thinking about with their Bitcoin holdings was that with inscriptions, and this might already be happening, but with ordinals and inscriptions, is there a way to inscribe on each new, say, Bitcoin created through the mining process that it came from, you know, a green energy source versus, you know, say, you know, coal plant or something, you know, where it had a, a green label to it? Like, say, for some of those yeah. groups that are out doing decentralized mining on renewable energy patches where it's sort of captured energy, you know. Um, I mean, it, it's it's very, that is, is, you know, something to de de defuse that FUD, per se? Well, well, there's a problem with it. I mean, yeah, you can inscribe anything onto a Bitcoin within, you know, the block size limit. Um, but there's also nothing from somebody who's using, you know, the dirtiest coal plant in the world also inscribing onto it. Oh, yeah, I see. Okay. Um, uh, now, now, there has been a talk for years about whether... You know, a green bit. There could be a green Bitcoin market versus a you know a kind of dirty Bitcoin market. I mean, I personally, you know, that's been a conversation for for a long time. I personally don't see that as really anything that will ever happen. Um, I be, because like it kind of got because most people don't know where Bitcoin mines are. Okay, we got the publicly quoted, but most Bitcoin miners have zero reason whatsoever to have any publicity 
to have anything. They're just sitting there shoveling energy into coin. Okay, like they're you know they they don't need any any public profile. They don't need people don't need to know where they are. But with the exception of the the publicly listed ones, um, you know, there's nothing to shill. There's no reason right. for any for anybody to know where they are or, or that they exist. So. Um, I, I don't know. I can, you know, it has been a topic of conversation actually for quite a few years, whether, you know, green Bitcoins, there's an even bigger conversation, which is whether newly minted Bitcoins, as in, you know, Bitcoins that are fresh and have never moved, have more value than used Bitcoins because they don't have any history. So there's all these kind of nuances that, that, that people people are, are, are putting on things. Uh, I personally think if there is a class, well, I personally don't think any classification of Bitcoin will will ever work uh, in terms of affecting, you know, there being different price levels for different Bitcoins. But if there was, I would suggest it's the new shiny coins having more value than older coins because they have no history. They've never been stolen or used for, you know, nefarious things. But I don't even think that's that's really going to happen. Uh, yeah, because there is, I mean, ju just to be clear, you know, I, mean, I trade in centralized exchanges. I have no problem with that. If I try to move a mixed Bitcoin, okay, as in, you know, what you guys would call tornado cash, what we call, you know, um, um, a coin join coin, um, I have to spend a long time talking to the exchange to accept that. So they are really monitoring that 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 close. Oh yeah, and, and, and indeed. And if I send a coin from a CEX to a mixer, I also get tapped on the shoulder. Hmm. So but there's there's legitimate applications for that to do that. It's not. I I, I have one legitimate application because every single coin I own is mixed. Okay, <laughs> like literally, <laughs> <laughs> and it's called privacy. Okay, um, you know, so like literally every single coin I own um, is a mixed coin. I have no issue with that. You know, I'm not, you know, I'm not using them to run drugs or anything. Like, I'm just going. If privacy is available, I'll have it. Thank you. Take it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Not. I came in. I was, you know, I've been messing around on zk sync a bit lately, um, playing over on Maverick, which we've had on the show, and uh, Azumi Finance, which we haven't. But there's a couple other ones, Kanagi Finance, et cetera. And so I ran across uh, ZKUSD, which, you know, I hadn't seen before. And I realized it is another privacy type coin um, with a mixing pool attached to it. And I was like, I said, so these are, you know, they're still popping up on the new chains, um, which I find interesting. But the application to me is estate planning. You know, it's like if you want to put these in your grandkids' hands or um, where maybe the other kids don't know about it or ex-wives don't know about it and stuff and you want to stay private these are perfect applications or if you're in you know iran and you're a dissident and you're funding some kind of a protest action yep. you know legitimate activity i mean everywhere you know it's like there's tons of decent activities it's just you know the few big ones that use them um in ways that you know aren't um are deemed inappropriate by others uh, yeah, no, and, and look, I, I, on privacy, I'm just a huge advocate. I'm going like, you know, yep. there, there are, you know, there, there is absolutely no reason that anybody should know how many coins I have, where they are, and whatsoever. So I mix them, and I go look, and again, I'll be absolutely clear. Like I've zeroed hide. Okay, yeah. I just want to protect my privacy, and I think, uh, you know, I have a, 
that's that's kind of a bridge I'll die on, yeah. Uh, and I've had this, you know, with with my own favorite exchange, and I just said to them, okay, well, if you don't like it, I'll fuck off to another exchange. How about that? Mm -hmm. And you know, fortunately, since I represent a lot of their volume, they can't tell me to fuck off. But I'm sure if I was doing smaller size, they probably would, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I think you, I think you, you know, it's like you have the conversation, and everything's fine, and they get it. You know, yeah. I think that you know. I, I mean, I, I tell, I tell you where I got to. We actually had to send ele historical electricity bills to prove that we mined them, since we, <laughs> since we, since we couldn't prove anything because because they were mixed. Yeah, but look, yeah. that's that's the way the world is going. I think it's you know, I've always said to me, Bitcoin's biggest problem is privacy i don't think it will ever be addressed on the base chain um, but i do think we will see um, side chains and layered solutions to it and i think the more the world is heading into the surveillance world that it is um, the more the bigger the driver is for that so i'm kind of pretty confident that there are emerging solutions um, for privacy within bitcoin um, that are not base layer because I, I, you know, there's people kind of, there's lots of issues with base layer privacy, which is how do you audit a chain, which is all that the nodes do all the time, all the, you know, the nodes around the world are effectively auditing the chain if the transactions are private. Yeah. Yeah. How do um, you do that? Yeah, I mean it's complicated. It's unnecessary. So look, I do think privacy, privacy will, will. Um, Will in, will improve. There are lots of ways to air gap your Bitcoin that are like you know old OG tricks. Um, you know that I'm not necessarily encouraging people to do, but you know you you can you can simply swap them for something on one exchange, send it to the other, and you know bloody bloody bloody, and all these kind yep. of things. You know the ultimate one um, for anybody who's interested is just use your Bitcoin to buy a mine. And mine yourself new Bitcoin. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the ultimate air gap. Yeah, yeah, because it's not. You know, I mean, we always focus everything on regulators. You know, on because we're trying to determine regulatory clarity here. Uh, but that's not the reason people. I mean, that's not the reason that you want to maintain privacy. You know, you maintain privacy from everybody else. Just like you don't, you know, uh, put a pile of cash on your front porch. You know. No, I, I, I mean. You know, or if you have a few bars of gold that you know you, you've legally got, um, yeah. because again, there, there, there is actual personal security issues here. Yeah, so right. if if it's provable that you have a you know a, a, a an amount of Bitcoin that somebody's prepared to use a drill on your knees to remove from you, okay, maybe just maybe <laughs> you don't want you don't want that information public. Yet. Exactly, because it is a bearer asset. They can rock into. I mean, I've had one particularly interesting group of people rock into my house with a gun and I shit wow. you not okay to try and persuade me that um my bitcoin was was um was um better in their hands than mine um, this actually happens in the real world yeah, yeah. so you know be private uh, nothing wrong with it whatsoever yeah in everything you do I mean that's that's the thing I kind of in our societies we've sort of in the post sort of social media or the internet era let's even call it that have so many people are growing up native to that tech have just shared everything out there that you know there's also 
this bizarre view that if if you want to be private, you're hiding something, which I just do not buy. Yeah, I'm going, you know, know. look, 99.9999% of my life, I'm overly public about. I don't have an issue with that. But the other 0.01%, I want to be private about. I have a right to do it. And if you think anything of that, that's your problem, not mine. Exactly. Well, you know, and at a certain level of, say, the game, the business game, you know, the players on those teams conduct, you know, oppo research. They come in, you're trying to drive a negotiation, you're trying to find leverage, they're digging in everywhere they could possibly can to find stuff. So with everything out there, everybody's sharing so much, you know, everybody, you know, if you ever get in those situations 20 years, not, not you, but I mean, the younger folk and say 20 years, you're going to realize that people are going to have book on you and probably behavioral psychology assessments along with events that they're going to be able to manipulate you and drive you toward a better Joe, I mean, this is the ultimate thing. And I'll ask you this question because I know my answer and I imagine it's the same of yours. If all the stupid shit that you did when you were growing up and in your early 20s and 30s okay, had pictures on social media back then, okay? Like, yeah. Like, wow. You know? Yeah, I would probably be called a lot of names. And, uh, you know, we'd probably all be in jail or something, you know, at this point. Yeah. Well, but the, lawsuits, the lawsuits would be ongoing, let's say. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it would be all, I mean, not this isn't, we're not talking about criminal, criminal stuff, but, you know, just stupid things, you know, yeah. alcohol-fueled stuff, you know. Yeah. Idiot decisions, you know, ex-girlfriends, you name it. I mean, it's everywhere. I, I, and that's kind of it. I mean, I don't know how this works out for people of this generation who are so happy to share everything on social media um, with the kind of advent of AI and big data and all of this. I'm just going, you know, sometimes, like, there's, you know, have fun. God knows I had enough fun in my life, yeah? But, yeah. Um, but you know, there's something cool about being private as well, yeah? Well, it can't be weaponized against you. And I think that's what a lot of people don't really uh, understand how that can be used later and I mean, we saw it decades ago with people applying to college and, you know, they put some picture of them doing beer bongs on, you know, Instagram and all the admission people are looking at it. And they're like, eh. <laughs> you know, or, or the job hirers are looking at it and they're like, eh, you know, can't get through that, those screens because it just looks, it's a public record of it, basically. <laughs> you can't deny it. Um so that hurts you. And, you know, luckily all of the shenanigans we went through, there is no digital record of it. But everything anybody does oh, now... I certainly bloody hope not. <laughs> yeah, now there is. I, I'm sure there's a few Polaroids floating around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gonna have to, like, strategically go back and pull all those. But uh, And the negatives. Remember the negatives. <laughs> not from Polaroids, but from the other ones. But, yeah, so, I mean, that's, that's a legitimate privacy thing, you know? And it's um, that we look at it that way. Uh, as a, a threat to give out too much information. Um, this generation has shared it all and we'll see how it turns out. Um, you know, maybe there is something about if everybody has the dirt on everybody, it's mutual assured destruction. I, I, I don't know, but um, definitely makes me uncomfortable. Um, so what have you, what do you, what have you been seeing lately in the, in the way of um, like uh on, i know that you and shizzy talk a lot about the ordinals or having the past that kind of seems to have died down a little bit in, in in my mind just from what i'm seeing around but um have you, what do you see coming next over on btc side anything new that well i i think we do? yeah i i mean i i've 
you know, first of all, just to touch on the Ripple case, I have the actual court rolling in front of me here, and and um, it, it's kind of a draw in a way because um, the what the court and again, I've, I'm just reading this in real time, but what the court has ruled is that the um, initial um, sale of tokens was in fact a securities offering, um, which yeah. I don't think anybody could uh, could argue with. But the secondary sale. Um, um was not so that's kind of um so the 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 um institutional sale of tokens did violate federal securities laws and the um uh, sale of xrp tokens on exchanges did not constitute investment contracts which is interesting wording which i'm assuming means probably not secure but it's like all these things it's very nuanced ct goes off and goes Ripple isn't a security. For something like that, that could very well be the case that secondary sales are not a security, but the devil is in the detail here. So um, I would not be rushing. I mean, the market doesn't seem to give much of a shit, to be honest. It's kind of hardly ticked. So I wouldn't be, um, it's something, I will post the actual ruling into the Telegram channel. Yeah, please. People can can read it themselves because it's it's a long ruling. It's 34 pages. Um, yeah, it, it's not the narrative, the instantaneous narrative that's been put out on CT um, that um, XRP is not a security. It may well be, but but there are what they have. What has been found is that there are security laws violations. So let's see. Yeah. Um, well, you know, this is something that you know I talked to a friend of mine, Lewis Cohen, a lot, and um, at, at New York Crypto Lawyer or NY Crypto Lawyer, and. And, you know, he's, I met him when he was at Hogan Lovells and then, uh, you know, he's been an SEC type attorney for a long time and, and he's very pro crypto and, and he was, um, you know, we've been talking and others, obviously many others also talk about this, but you know, that there is a way to violate, to have a securities offering without it being a security. And yeah. I think that's where it gets with this eventually. I mean, after all, well, I, all- I, I- my, my initial read on this is that it, this is good for secondary sales and yeah. bad for the ICO. Um, but but again, you know, I would just caution that you know it's worth reading these things if you if you believe this is fundamental to the market. You know, spending time reading the thirty four pages rather than relying on some CT, you know, two liner analysis is probably worth it. And I, I'm looking at the market, and the market don't care right now that bitcoin yeah market. yeah no i see ripples up and a few others yeah. but uh but you're right it's like btc what is it still at like 30 and 800 or so something like that yeah um, I, I, mean, I i can share a chart and say what i mean by it doesn't yeah. care okay um i think the charts yeah so like the, this is short term so again uh not trying to be a bear but you know we had you know we had this pump up um you know, out of range, and we're just stuck in this range. And so, you know, the 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 ripple pump, if you want to put it in these terms, was this, but it's like completely meaningless. Yeah, <laughs> you know, as you zoom out. So, I don't think it's it's in terms of Bitcoin, which ultimately will, you know, being the pristine asset in the space, will you know, shitcoins can run up and down a little bit. But right now, we're just stuck in this. You know, this these are four hour candles, to be clear. Mm-hmm. So this is just. So we, we pumped up to this little trading range and nothing has changed. So you can see we went up to the kind of, again, four-hour candles upper side. We've rejected off it. 
volume has died, whales are back selling, um, looking at the live data. And so I wouldn't consider that the market has viewed this as anything special. Otherwise, yeah. we, we should have seen a god candle, yeah? Um, and all yeah. that we're doing is we're just stuck in this bloody range, this annoying range, um, which is driving all traders mad um, for the past couple of weeks. So we've been in this range since, you know, the, the 23rd um, of June, so a couple of weeks, and it's just chopping, and we're just waiting for the next move. Yeah, I think I think it look it has to get through the whole process where everybody says definitively what things are. And like, you know, as far as Ripple and everybody else that's going through this process. But as to Bitcoin, you know, we already know it's not a security. Hmm. It's already been deemed not a security. So yeah. you're right. It probably won't this type of thing. It's like, eh, it's like a meh kind of thing to, to Bitcoin. And no, I mean, we, we, we did have a, you know, you just zoom down here. I mean, you can yeah. see that we're there was, you know, a little reflexive pump here in, you know, mm -hmm. 15 minutes that was then just sold down. Again, that doesn't mean the market, but to understand the impact on the mark on Bitcoin, um, which I think if you're a, a viewer of markets in the longer term is the one to keep an eye on. It is the, you know, it is the pristine asset in, in the class. Um, it just doesn't care uh, in, in any real way, because, you know, if I zoom this out to weekly candles and, you know, show me the ripple pump. Yeah, well, it's just not there. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's not produced anything of of any real interest. Um, asks on the order books continued to hold, and in fact, we're added to. So asks being sells, and there's a lot of selling uh, up at this this top end of this range here, uh, and there's a bit of buying. So yeah, no, nothing nothing fundamental. But again, like you know, what from a US standpoint. Um, does this have any significance with respect to, you know, coin Coinbase's case and so on? I, I think the devil is in the detail, and and I wouldn't, I wouldn't like to call it without actually looking at the detail, um, uh, to be honest. But certainly, like Ripple yeah. took a bump, that's to be expected. Um, just looking at the rest of the shitcoin market, if we zoom out, I mean, yeah, you know, Sol's been on a pump. BNB is stuck in a range. Ethereum stuck in a range. Canto is doing a nice bounce off of support yeah. here, but you know it's been doing that for two weeks. It hasn't really affected anything. And I'm sure Ripple is taking a pump. Of course it will. Yeah, but you know, is it sustainable? Is it meaningful? I don't know. Um, but ultimately, the market will be decided by Bitcoin. Um, and so, just just to kind of hit on hit on this a little bit because. Um, there is something extremely interesting happening in the Bitcoin market. Um, sorry, I need to I need to share. Sorry, man, I'm actually I'm actually um, sharing the wrong thing. Just oh. hang on a minute, there, Joe. Let me just okay. uh, just share uh, share screen and what the hell? window? Ah, that's what I want to share. Okay, sure. If you could show that, Joe, you got it. Buddy. So yeah, sorry. So just quickly on on the kind of Bitcoin charts. You know, Sol's been on, these are weekly candles. Sol's been on a rip. Ethereum hasn't done anything interesting. BNB is in a range. Canto, the, this one here, did a, I love, oops, sorry, I love Canto um, from the point of view of price action. It did a perfect, you know, bounce up here to convince me it's bullish. It's going to have to take, you know, this 1920 cents. I don't think it will. Could very well be wrong. Maybe it could even run to 23, but. I 
I would be a little bit cautious here, um, not advice, um, just from my own point of view. Ethereum, Bitcoin, still screwed. Um, so outside of Ripple, the reaction is not substantive. Yeah, yeah, it's not substantive. Yeah, I mean, again, viewing, zoom out. One of the kind of interesting charts, if you'd stick with me here. Yeah. Um, worth looking at. If I can, if I can, ah, this one. So I think this is one of the most interesting charts in in crypto at the moment. Um, just stick with me here while I, I just reload this. Um, this is the correlation of Bitcoin to the rest of the market. So actually, we'll just do this one. And, and what you can see is from the top. Okay, so you've got blue is Bitcoin, orange is S&P, or orange is, is NASDAQ and the cyan or whatever color that is, is, um, is the S&P. So what you can see is that we've been moving directionally here we go directionally all the way down in perfect oh. lockstep. Yeah. Okay. So one of these narratives that, that we always get on um, on crypto Twitter is if it wasn't for 3AC and Luna, you know, we, we wouldn't be down here. And, and yet the truth of that is complete nonsense because all that we've done is move in complete lockstep with TradFi. So unless Do Kwan um, had some influence over the, over the, um, uh, the price of the Nasdaq and the S and P. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm thinking not. There have been two deviations which are worth noting. One is the FTX crash, where Bitcoin was going down and TradFi was going up. So I think that's the only real black swan that we've actually had, um, mm. and it's a re relatively small one. And then we have this moment here. This moment here to me is is something that is of huge significance because this is the day that TradFi market makers decided to leave the space, okay? And what we immediately see is that we swapped a negative correlation. Um, what do I mean by that? I mean that we went down, okay, yeah. while TradFi is pumping, okay? TradFi went down, okay? We did a little pump. So all of a sudden we've switched to some form of negative correlation, which hmm. I think it shows you the influence of the TradFi market makers in this game, in that we are currently cut adrift from, um, from the traditional market. So kind of, you know, this thing that all of CT seems to have learned about, you know, looking at, you know, CPI prints and all of this. Yeah. Good luck with that because we have zero correlation. In fact, we have negative correlation with the traditional market. So all of a sudden, this is kind of meaningless to us. And if you then look at um, a chart, which again, I go back to my my thing on, on liquidity, um, which is simply to say that if Orange is obviously Bitcoin price and blue is the amount of liquidity in the space. Yeah. Okay. So the amount of dollars that are actually existing, which is constantly going down. And a lot of people will rightly say, hang on, we've been going up while, you know, liquidity is going down. But what you can, again, very easy to understand why, which is if we put in Bitcoin dominance onto the chart and if we put in actually put in Bitcoin dominance into the chart. 
There we go. Let's let me rescale this. Um, and I think this is a very interesting and bearish signal. Um, so what we see is liquidity being drained from the space, okay? And the re available remaining liquidity as measured by Bitcoin dominance is being compressed into Bitcoin. So this is classic what happens in an exit. So that the total amount of liquidity in the market is, is you know, just heading to, you know, heading south at a rapid pace. And yet the price of kind of the pristine asset, um, Bitcoin, is increasing. And that's nothing particularly bullish um, in the context of liquidity leaving. It's simply a compression of liquidity from the riskier ends of the crypto market into the less risky and yet liquidity still goes down so i yeah that's interesting to me because yeah. you know we always talk about how in 1718 you know you're with with no real stable coins that i can remember at that point we were all or nothing you did you always went to bitcoin you know yep. after your trade and then when stable coins advented it was like a way to go oh, okay i don't have to worry about volatility i'll go there but now it's like maybe these are all the hardcore traditional players that have been there for a while and now they're reverting to okay now we're going to go straight into bitcoin and hold there as our safety hedge again the, the, the way i read it and, and it's not advice is that it takes yeah. time it takes time to scale out of a liquid your positions out of liquid shit coins um right. and therefore you need these kind of longer distribution patterns because if you scale out too fast, you literally kill them. So you let them, you know, stick in a range and, and you do that. And then you 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 pull that into Bitcoin, which has actual liquidity to withdraw from the market. And that's like classically how somebody would exit this type of market if they've got Bitcoin, you know, if they've got, you know, shitcoin holdings, is you need to do it very gently because the sell the buy liquidity isn't there at any one time to be able to support like an insta leave yeah so mm -hmm. what you're doing is as you know retail shitcoin liquidity turns up you're literally just hoovering that up and saying thank you you're into bitcoin and then you can slowly exit from bitcoin so uh, again i i think that there is literally nothing at all bullish about this market i could be completely wrong it's not advice i think we ain't seen nothing yet um, from my perspective, in terms of how bad this market can get, um, I'm, I have a little black swan in my picture because I think we, we we're going to get one. <laughs> uh, again unexpressed risk DCG Mount Gox Binance. You know the biggest the biggest unexpressed risk out there TUSD. Bloody, you know you can go on and on and on and on about you know and, and bear markets typically don't end until you know all the beta monkeys are washed out and there's still a lot of them and again i go back to this chart and i go we've only really had one beta monkey washed out and that was spf that's the only deviation up mm -hmm. to now and this deviation i think should be extremely worrying to the bulls Can I, one, one quick question on this so we always talk about the transition from a risk on asset to a risk off asset or at least we speculate about it or, or wonder um that almost when i look at that chart that's up now it, it almost looks like a decoupling that way to where because it's not correlated with it but it is is that because everybody's leaving 
pricing yeah, through I, 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 out? Okay. To me, today, I mean, to me, like you can come up with lots of theories about this, yeah, mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, with some news event. I, I don't think news drives markets. I think if you believe in a an efficient market hypothesis, the informed money is already knows what the news is, okay? Yeah. And, and that's why black swans like FTX cause these kind of divergences. But it was actually the day that the TradFi market makers left that we went from positive correlation, clear positive correlation, lockstep all the way into clear negative correlation. And to me, that indicates that these guys were operating strategies across markets that retained the correlation. Okay. Uh, that, that's my reading it, um, that it was literally a situation where these guys had were running strategy. I don't think that's man manipulative anyway. They were, you know, they, they were, you know, hedging on one, you know, buying on one side yeah. and so on and so on. Um, but, you know, we, we have no correlation anymore, um, which means, you know, the CT obsession with TradFi, which I always found hilarious that, you know, all of a sudden people who can draw lines on charts are macroeconomic experts yeah. um, is completely futile because we're just not in the same world anymore. We are cut adrift. Um, so it's kind of a curious days. Again, for me, uh, I, I see nothing bullish whatsoever. Um, this is not advice, it's simply my own view. And, and again, in terms of my positioning, it, that is a medium term view. I'm always net long Bitcoin. I always will be. So my longer term view is that this as acid is an absolutely phenomenal asset. But I think that there is a lot of shock and a lot of pain to come in this market yet. Yeah. And I, even though I've got, you know, quite heavily short, still spot long, I will be very surprised if we have seen the bottom. I will be somewhat shocked. That doesn't preclude a little bit of further up movement. Um, but I think if you look at the movement of money, um, which is always good to do, and let me just refresh this. This is on exchange. Um, if you look at the, you know, what, what, what are, what are the big guys doing? Um, well, it's very clear that they have. So if I just take out, it's very clear they have no interest in this market right now. Yeah. I mean, so very just for clear. the, yeah. So you got price, this is the order book and you can see typically when we hit these types of intensities on the order books, we tend to revert from them. So you can see here we the local bottom here we the local top you can see there's quite a bit of intensity here which would indicate this is a decent chance of a local top this is the flow of larger money and as you can see it just it's just continuing to exit um now all of, I have to be clear all of this can be wrong um but when you in my, for my positioning, when I sum up everything, I'm going, um, I do, I'm not comfortable um, not being seriously, having my long position seriously hedged up the ass. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> quick question. Um, so when we see that kind of like, you know, the big buyer, you know, trend lines going down like that, uh, orders. Yeah. I'm just trying to conf merge that in with the, uh, you know, the charts about liquidity moving off of the exchanges and out of the markets. 
Um, is there any way to account for that from people moving stuff to cold storage, this chart at all? Like maybe people just go into the sidelines for three years with their coins? Yeah, okay. yeah it, could, it could very well be. But, you know, what, what people forget, yeah, absolutely. And, and we do see the amount of, amount of um, crypto that is held off exchange, or rather the amount of crypto, so we can bring up that chart, has been in decline for forever. Yeah, Ooh. so let's yeah. just bring, bring that up. Um, I would be cautious about using it as a as a signal. Um, stick with me here. Um, so if we look at exchange, Bitcoin held on exchange, um, what you can see is it's been going down since the COVID crash. Yeah? So since Bitcoin can't be destroyed, it's clearly moving off exchange. The reason I would caution is, is that it's been moved, the amount of Bitcoin on exchange has been moving off through a bull and bear cycle. So you've got to ask yourself, is that really indicative in terms of price? And the answer is, if you use Bitcoin going down as a bullish signal, um, well, you're going to be very wrong for the last couple of years. Um, the other thing that people forget is that just because Bitcoin is off exchange, it could be the avoidance of counterparty risk and it can come back on exchange within 30 minutes. So I would not be, and again, to put this in some context, because, you know, people tend to kind of zoom charts in and you go, oh my God, that looks amazingly bullish. But when you zoom out, you realize that there's still a couple of million coins on exchange um, ready to ready to do whatever they're going to do. And another thing I would say about that is that Bitcoin price is set on the marginal supply, i.e. what's on exchange, uh, not by hoodlers. So you can say that people who go off exchange are increasing available supply, even though there's still a couple of million of available supply on exchange. In fact, exactly 2.088 million coins on exchange as of right now. Um, there, there is a supply demand dynamic on exchange. So... Um, I don't think that you can use this really as a signal, um, in my opinion, in terms okay. of near-term price action, because you can clearly see it's just been going down for years, regardless of which we pumped up and we dumped and so on and so on. So I would not be, um, I would not be um, personally using this as a signal. The only big, you know, kind of change really was FTX, where everybody got freaked out with counterparty yeah. risk, rightly got freaked out with the counterparty risk. Um, I mean, if you want to dig in even deeper and, and if you look at minor flows, um, you know, what are the miners doing? Well, it is a bit shocking. We had the biggest um, inflow of minor coins into exchanges um, this week. So uh, let me see. Can I find oh. that? Um, so we had like 70,000 minor coins went on to went on to exchanges this week. Which again, you can argue what that means, but I don't think it's bullish. Yeah, it doesn't sound like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, again, that, that, that can be that can be miners operating hedge strategies and so on and so on. But um, again, I I I know I was coming here and, and I'm bearish, but I, I think there's a good time. This is not a bad time to be bearish the market um, yeah. um, at all. And if you want to be bullish. You know, let the market give you an actual reason to be bullish. 
Um, yeah. And I don't have that because reducing liquidity, um, reducing on exchange liquidity, TradFi is fucked off. Um, bloody, bloody, bloody. You know, whales are selling, whales are just distributing on exchange. I don't know what people. I don't understand how people being cognizant of this data and this is hard data can be bullish. Yeah. You know, there are bullish signals, the, the, you know, the, getting an ETF, a US based ETF is immensely bullish in the longer term. No question about it. But again, I'm going to use the term in the longer term. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and I think that's it. And, and, you know, there's just risks to be washed out. So I'm just my usual bearer self, Joe, as ever. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. But you, but you know what I like about it though is that, I mean, we talk about this whether it's grayscale or you know, this all these things about the ETF, how it's going to be short-term negative but long-term hugely positive. And I just want to reiterate when you make these sort of, um, I don't want to call them calls, but uh, intuitions. Let's put it that way. You're still in the concept of the black swan event is going to create a deep V, not a sell off and drag down to zero kind of thing. You're still in No, I, I mean, I, I don't think Bitcoin, I think, you, you know, here's the thing about, about a spot ETF in the US that, that and, and why it's so bullish. It is now an accept, no, whatever you think about this as a Bitcoiner is up to you, but it is now an accepted TradFi asset. Yeah, yep. it is. It is part of the game. Um, it is cemented in there that in my opinion, protects it from any form of banning legal stuff. Um, it opens it up to a world of depth of capital um, that is phenomenal. I expect the next decade for Bitcoin to be massively bullish and so on. And so why I always retain spot long position. Uh, I just think that we ain't seen nothing yet in terms of the amount of blood that needs to be spilt first. Um, and again, in terms of, you know, people like events rather than charts, I would say, you know, we, we have CZ still out there, you know, playing his games. We have Justin Sun still out there playing his games. We have DCG, DCG for God's sake, you know, 600,000 coins who are effectively bankrupt. What happens to them? We have Mount Cox, 650,000 coins. Okay. So there's lots of, we, we have FTX coming back online and, and, you know, that, that may be bullish, but that's also, you know, quite a bit of sell pressure if people yeah. just have enough and, and want to get out. So, you know, other than the 2 million coins available for sale on exchanges, which is a lot, okay, um, we do have some, some systemic risks to the system and we're cut adrift, yeah? We, we, we are, we are choke, point, choke pointed out and you can see in the data very clearly that we have no correlation to TradFi anymore. That will return with, with the BlackRock ETF, but not anytime soon, um, in, in my opinion. So, you know, I'm not a buyer or seller of news at all. I'm a buyer or seller of, of order flow. Um, you, know, um, you know, ultimately, it's the buying and selling that moves the price, not sentiment. Right. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. so, you know, just, I mean, and I think that's pretty logical. Okay. You have to figure out who's buying and who's selling, but ultimately the only thing that ticks the price up is, you know, buying and selling up or down that simple. Yeah. Resetting the price. Yeah. And that action, you know, is driven differently in this market than say in TradFi. 
because that's Absolutely. driven off of events that lead to, you know, changes in revenue forecasts or profit forecasts. You know, sentiment over here is on big, like you said, big events. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, we're, we're a commodity. So, I mean, right. you, know, we don't, you know, we don't have annual reports or, you know, any of this kind of stuff. So we, we trade like a commodity. Um, and, you know, that's one thing. That's one thing to understand. But the other thing to understand is that we're, we are so the price of Bitcoin and liquidity are joined at the hip. And while we are having a compression of liquidity into the top end of the crypto market, um, it's still leaving. And I don't view that in any way as bullish. And, and I, just, I just think there's so much more pain to come here. Um, yeah. And again, not financial advice, just my view. Um, am I a bear on Bitcoin long term? No, I'm the biggest fucking bull you'll ever meet. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, but I'm talking in a decade, not in this year. I think I think that um, um, there we go. And I can equally be wrong. Yeah, I mean, but I think, you know, your strategies always seem to play out from our perspective. And I think that, you know, we're talking about timing. It's, you know, we're talking about a couple of years here or there. Um, and we're talking about, you know, how long it take to get through you know, the U.S. regulatory stuff to have that shape up. And that's a couple of years. So, yeah, I, I mean, I mean, right. this, this kind of lack of trust, institu you know, what I would call deep trader money trust in, in TradFi, in, in sorry, in, in shitcoins is almost certainly the, the reason that we're seeing Bitcoin do a bear market rally here. And I would just bear that in mind if you're analyzing the market um, that, you know, this this is just liquidity flow and and i think that's all you know just look at money flow it's very clear money is flowing out it's very clear that money is moving from the you know the the, the shitcoin market into the bitcoin market the question you have to ask yourself is it going to stick there or is it leaving and the data says it's leaving to date huh. well we will have to navigate those treacherous waters it seems Absolutely. And, and it's a fun game. And, you know, I mean, yeah. um, to just, uh, just don't over position yourself. And, you know, it's, it's, I always say, look, if you're, if you're making a trade, you know, or a position, as long as you're comfortable with being wrong, you're going to make it in this game. If you're not, you should not be taking that position. Yeah. And also you always give, you know, good advice, not advice, excuse me, but it's always sound to not like to say, oh yeah, I want to invest in Bitcoin and then go drop your whole nut into it um today this is never the way you enter or exit you no. know you you talk a lot about t whopping um you know regular buys over i believe you like the 100 day period you know yep. once you start accumulating um you know i'm a little bit shorter than that but i'm like four or five times um and a little bit of dca uh, but i'm not playing the options game you know i'm just kind of messing around in there so um you know be cautious everyone don't you know always know stuff moves fast and you know you either want to take profits or you want to have more powder dry to like average down. Um, so, you know, don't just jump on stuff and play for the long game. Like, like Sean does and um, anticipate, you know, get some limit orders in or, or learn the game that he and his pro team are all doing all the time, you know, with the net long and, and hedging strategies. Um, just don't drink as much business as we did. 
yeah. Well, that's great, man. That's a good one. But, I love that. Like at, at our age, like that's three days. We go for pints. That's three days of the week are just ruined, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you lose the, uh, and then you see one negative thing, and it's like, oh my god, everything's falling apart. <laughs> But you guys got like a 50-year time horizon left here. So I don't you know, have 50 years left. No, not you. As my business partner, Mike, always says to me, I don't think I can put up with another 10 years of this shit. <laughs> <laughs> it is because you're always, you know, it's such continuous PTSD waiting for the axe to drop or something, you know? But, but yeah, yeah. If, if you're young, like, you know, um, uh, you know, just it's better to make money slightly like – I find it hilarious in this space, okay? If you, if you could imagine going back to, you know, before you'd ever heard of crypto and the fact that you could make, you know, a 20x return um, over the space of two years would be, you wouldn't believe it, okay? And yet in this space, people think a 20x return is meh, it's nothing. Yeah, I'm gone. Okay, cool. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, no, we're all yeah. looking for that 100 or 1,000x return in a couple of years. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, they happen, of course they do, but but um, but it's not something to uh, plan your life on. No, and there's a lot of luck in those two. It's, uh, you know, people get that big win early and they think it's, they, they expect it to happen again all the time um, in sports and in investing and whatever. And you know, if you're super young and it happens, you know, take it as like, wow, I got lucky or it was a good win. And yep. then hedge and manage yeah, yeah, risk. Yeah, yeah. Don't, yeah. don't come back in expecting that to happen again. Well, hey, that happened last time. Let's put in 10 times as much. Yeah, you just, know, just remember that, you know, they, they, people do win at roulette. Okay. Right. It doesn't mean, doesn't mean playing roulette is a, is, a, is, a, is a good strategy for your retirement. True that. True that. All right, buddy. Well, I'm going to cut us out because I realized we went over. Um, Great chat with you as always. And, and uh, to the listeners, you know, the Thursdays with Sean are always uh, BTC day. So we always love to get his insights into what's going on in the, in the BTC world. And plus he, you know, plays with us over in the altcoin world some, and you, know, you saw his charts uh, where he's tracking certain ones and looking to accumulate. So, so Monday when Brad's back, um, we'll go through all the news in more depth. You know, he likes, he gets those stories stacked up and we get a, a nice discussion going. Um, but today I wanted to focus on this and, you know, being a little bit selfish, I always like to, to, to hear the words from Sean um, and be able to ask questions as I see fit. But um, thanks, Sean. Great time today. I really appreciated it. And um, I wish you a very good weekend. And you too, sir. Take it easy, guys. Cheers. Bye, right, buddy. Cheers, everyone. See you later. Bye-bye.